Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and I am so excited that you're here to catch the weekly replay of my laid-back yet very inspiring conversations with other full-time professional artists. The purpose of this series is to show aspiring artists that it is completely possible to have a great career in the arts. And if you ever want to tune in and have your questions answered in real time by myself or featured guests, then just check out the schedule over at facebook.com groups slash artist academy every Tuesday to catch us on live. I'll see you there. This episode is sponsored by the Artist Academy Advanced Membership, a program for artists who want to up-level their art game by taking it from a hobby or a side hustle to a full-time six-figure art business. With weekly trainings that include step-by-step proven art business techniques, plus painting tutorials from yours truly and other guest artists who are masters in their field, you will be well-equipped to learn and grow into the highly skilled and highly profitable artist you know you're meant to be. I've figured out what it takes to build my own six-figure art business, and now my heart is set on teaching aspiring artists like you to do the same. It's not hard, but it does require your time and dedication. So if you're up for the challenge, go to advancedmember.com. That's advancedmember.com to learn more. This week's episode features Baltimore-based fantasy artist and educator, Saz Ross. Saz has such an interesting backstory as to why she creates the art she does, and I think all of us could learn a thing or two from her on the topic of inspiration. I think we forget that the things we were interested in as a kid are often the things that can give us the best fuels for ideas as adults. Saz is a public speaker and seasoned art educator, and I could definitely tell by the way she presented herself and told her story with such confidence, yet such ease. It's really nice to see an artist who is comfortable in front of an audience since most of us, including myself, are very introverted and quiet, but I think Saz is a great example of what's possible if you work for it. I think you're really going to enjoy this week's episode with Saz Ross. Can you please just kind of give us a little bit of a background about how you got into the arts and all the things? Oh, well, of course. Uh, my name is Saz Ross. I'm initially from Queens, New York, and I grew up on Long Island. Uh, I moved to Baltimore to go to Towson University, and I was an art education major. I loved it so much that I decided to stay in Baltimore. Um, my family, my tight-knit Puerto Rican family was very angry that I didn't go back to New York. So um, unfortunately, they didn't <laughs> get me back, but I was staying in Baltimore and loving teaching. And I got a job teaching in the Howard County Public School System, which is right outside Baltimore City. I taught for several years and put art on the back burner until uh, my mom was diagnosed with blood cancer, actually, and I started doing it as a way to heal. You know, that was sort of like my therapy. And uh, aside from that, I started creating all of these surreal creatures just to form some, some kind of escape into a world. 
Um, my grandfather was friends with Salvador Dali. Um, most of my family is from Spain. So that was sort of like my source of inspiration for surrealism. And I would love hearing all his stories with, you know, my grandmother. And he was one of the captains aboard a ship that would go to Spain and all over the world. And Salvador Dali would frequent his ship and would always request my grandfather to help him with his luggage. And um, I just was so captured by these stories when I was younger. And, you know, even in my adulthood, as I was teaching, I would always use him as an artist exemplar. And, you know, the art became more and more intense and more surreal as my mom went through chemo and therapy. And um, I, yeah, it's been a crazy ride since. And I actually left my very secure job because I had this, almost like this epiphany awakening. And, you know, I, I was sort of in this rut of depression for a while and um, seeing my mom pass away definitely sort of like reset my mind and got me into a place where I looked at life like it was so precious. And that's how I started making uh, full time and taking a new path. <laughs> wow. That is a story. That, that yeah. is an intro. Wow. That's yeah. <laughs> passionate and powerful and meaningful and you make me want to go out and write a children's book. About. Oh, well, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm over here like, oh, that's such a good idea. Like a surrealist an illustrator, like, oh, all the things. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So what made you take the leap into full-time artists? When did that happen? So, you know, I, things were sweet working in the Howard County public school system. It was a wealthy county. So we had to we got all these artists in residence. The kids got to play with glass and weave and all these amazing things. And I enjoyed my time there. I won a really cool award for like Art Teacher of the Year in Maryland for the Maryland Art Education Association for elementary in Howard. I was on a cloud nine. And then um, what ended up happening was when my mom got really sick, I felt like I was in this helpless mode and I couldn't go to New York as much as I wanted. And um, I had to eventually move there to take care of her. And by the time I did, she only had a week left. So in that moment, I, you know, I almost, I almost felt like I could have been there earlier. I should have, could have, would have. I had this breakdown and I left my totally secure job in Howard to find something new. And I was lost completely lost and I actually have an artwork that has like this little girl with a lantern in the woods and it definitely is me and I and I drew it at that time because I didn't know what would happen so I randomly put my resume online and this art nonprofit organization which I work for now leaders of tomorrow youth center scooped me up and I thought I would start this new journey with art and there I was teaching in you know one of the poorest parts of Baltimore City with kids that never even held a paintbrush in their lives and I was art teaching again but under completely different circumstances like water fountains where you couldn't even drink broken glass lots of like fighting um, so I felt trapped again in that but ultimately my contract with the school went under due to you know certain weird things that happened but if anything, I loved the organization so much, I didn't want that to be like my last, you know, moment with them. So I knew they had a vacancy for a leadership position and I found the courage to ask for an interview. And if I didn't reach out and ask, I wouldn't have gotten it. And now I'm one of the leaders of the organization 
and I'm sort of like the educational director, liaison, and I find artists to help teach virtually now in, you know, all areas of art, visual, music, dance, theater, and I make my art with it. And I do art PD and webinars, creative webinars for school systems and uh, all types of communities, ministries. And now I do it for, you know, schools all over because of the visual, virtual <laughs> transition. <laughs> so that's, yeah, sort of where I am right now. Oh, wow. So you, you transitioned, you were doing virtual before everything like this happened. A little bit, but now it's all virtual and I do art lessons once a week and then I work for the organization with helping instructors and having them create engaging virtual content that's art related. And I write curriculum as well for a uh, virtual learning platform for Leaders of Tomorrow Youth Center, along with using my own art as fuel and energy for the instructors and the creative professional development workshops and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. You just yeah. dove, you dove into this. You're like, well, I have the tools for this. It's the perfect time. <laughs> I, well, I, I figured why not? I mean, this is, this is, <laughs> this is it. We gotta, we gotta try everything. We gotta throw the darts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, what, see what sticks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just dive in head first. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Awesome. So, so how many schools are you teaching for? And ministries and like how do they get contact with you like how does that all how does that set up and if so, someone wanted to help you and give a class to you or something how could they do that so basically what we do is we started with baltimore city and we had contracts with like like over 80 organizations and we had a really good footing in the community for about 15 years so we had all that time to build networks at educational conferences and pitching at, you know, different sorts of um, either education-based events or, you know, women in business event because we had a lot of female leaders going on there. And basically what ended up happening was we built this amazing network and over time schools not only saw that we had, you know, obviously all these art services but professional development. And then, you know, certain businesses wanted to catch on to that. So a lot of it is word of mouth. And a lot of it is the time we've put in at conferences and just meeting people face to face and building relationships. And I like to be invested in, you know, various parts of the community. I'm a Toastmasters member. So I have a lot of friends who are in ministries in Baltimore. So they, you know, they want virtual gatherings and they want to make art. So here it is. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so let's talk about Toastmasters yeah. really quick. Because I joined yeah. and then everything happened, and so I haven't been really been back. But right. I just joined, and I was so scared. I was like, I don't want to be better at public speaking. I don't know. So are it's you a public so thrilling. speaker? Oh, yes. So a lot of this actually stems from education. Anyone in education, you have, like, that, that you know, that yeah. public speaking bug. Yeah. You have it. You have it too. I know you do. But if anything, <laughs> it's, it's, so it's it's something where you nurture it. I when I was in high school for four years, I was on a traveling acting team, which is a speech and debate team called Forensics. So I traveled the country, and I was on you know like all these weird student stages at like Harvard and Princeton, and you know all these you know universities, and that really got me out of my shell. And then when I started teaching, it was like, okay, this is it. This is my this is my stage. And when I stopped teaching, I was like, I need to build the stage again. I need to find a way to, to speak and do this. So I actually started uh, getting into groups online 
for female speakers, I joined a really cool group with Jess Ekstrom called Mic Drop, Work Mic Drop Workshop. And it was all these amazing female speakers. So since then, I've reached out to colleges and universities. And I've actually, before quarantine, was booking gigs at schools and doing art workshops. And now it's all transitioned to online. So now it's webinars, so art webinars. But you still use speaking. And my Toastmasters group, we meet online. So it's, it's good. It's oh, great. Oh, you do right now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. We do speeches online. It's the same thing. It's just virtual. And we have people now joining from all over the place. And my friend Brian Olds, he's like the CEO of Black Speakers Network. So he is really big into getting people to join, especially his group. So if anything, if you feel like you need a home virtually for Toastmasters, let me know. Okay. I'm almost um, fluent in doing online presentations, but like when it comes okay. to their actual people, I'm like, ah, oh, gosh, there's so much, there's so many of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it could be intimidating, but then I think once you get past that point, it becomes thrilling. And does it? Okay. It does. It really does. I just think if it's I can exciting. get past this, like that can help me in so many ways, you know, just yes. it can open up so many doors if I can just get over this because it's yes. so silly. It's so like in you know, my head. You know who a great role model is for this? If you love, you know, art making and public speaking, that, that marriage, Phil Hansen. Okay. Gotta, gotta look into him because what he does is he actually makes big artworks. He's a mixed media artist and then he destroys it right after he makes it. And he creates what? these, yes, it's called Fill in the Circle. That's his website. And okay. he creates these beautiful, amazing artworks and he does it with all types of organizations. And he belongs to like a million speakers bureaus and they always book him for, you know, engaging artistic and inspiring presentations. So as long as you have a good story and you know how to storytell and, you know, you can get up on a stage and share your art, you're, Ugh. you're gold. <laughs> I, don't, see, I don't want to. That's the thing. I don't oh, want to well, do that. But I, see, but people, I get asked sometimes to like present in front of this little group or that little group. And every time I'm like, oh, I just need to like get over it. That way when people ask me, I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And I don't like sweat. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it takes time and practice and there, you know. You'll be able to do it if, you know, if you really want it, you'll, you'll do it. And I think, you know, your, your art making is proof of that. So oh, it's awesome. Speaking yeah. of art making, what is your typical work day? Like how many hours do you spend creating art, teaching, all the things? So basically what I do is I try to, you know, my week could be unpredictable. Uh, if like an instructor is having a problem signing into a class virtually or if they need help. That's sort of where I'm on call at any point. So my, my art making could be interrupted at a moment's notice, I try to like not have that happen by, del you know, specific times of the week where I can create and not have anything ske scheduled. Um, I just bought a house actually. So that's been a big oh, time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been like a big art project in itself because it's a full <laughs> renovation. So it's been, it's been challenging, but at the same time, I definitely have certain days where I know I'm sitting down, I'm getting it all the art materials out and I'm getting to work. So that's been helpful to be organized and making sure I stick and stay true to my schedule. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So how many, like how many hours do you think you spend painting or drawing or painting like a, a week? Do you think it definitely varies from week to week? Um, I'm, I'm going to say confidently 
at least, I want to say like at least 15 hours, yeah. 15, 20. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it's some, one of those things where that fluctuates. It could be more or less depending on um, like commission or a special project I'm working on, or if it's, you know, I have more instructor needs during the week. And I actually started a new project where I am hosting a series of shows with uh, different types of art makers. I have a friend who's a dancer, a musician, a creative writer, and now we're sort of inter interviewing people from different sectors and coming together. So we, yeah, we just started a new project and this has just been a time for me to explore and, you know, work on my stuff, but also try things differently and take a different approach because of everything going on right now. Yeah, for sure. So where yeah. do you get your inspiration? Cause I'm over here. I want to do a cloud series and I'm in the middle of it and I'm like, trying to get, I had some ideas, but I'm like, I don't know. And like, how do people get all these ideas? <laughs> so I think a lot of it, uh, it, it stems from certain master artists that I've gained inspiration from. Like I mentioned before, Salvador Dali was a big one for me, but I also want it to be meaningful. So whenever I approach oh. an artwork or I'm thinking about a surreal or unique idea, I always reflect back to what is true to me and I know for you I think I've seen a lot of butterflies so if it's butterflies for me it's you know tree houses I grew up on a train track where my house shook so I always had these like crazy dreams of it, my house just like slanting and doing and, and my my shells would shake things would fall so I think I in a world in, in my own world I felt like I lived in a surreal location right off a train track and oh, yeah. I always resort back to that and extend off of it like it's one continuous story. So if your clouds came to you and you know, you're really passionate about it, I would say draw on a subject that you are familiar with, that you connect with, that people know, that's Andrea. And just branch, just keep building from it, you know? I love it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. great, now I have an idea for the day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, take Perfect. it, take it and run. <laughs> Awesome. So we've got the inspiration part down. Can you talk us through your creating process? Like, do you sketch it out first? Uh, what's, what's the process? So I think depending on the scale, if it's something tiny, I, I tend to be more experimental. And sometimes that little sketch becomes a final artwork. But if it's something bigger, ooh, like I usually like, because I don't want to waste the paper, I do some planning beforehand. I have like a, like a separate sketchbook. So I think it really depends on the scale of the work that I have. And uh, I want I wanted to get bigger. I just don't have the space. But if anything, I, yeah, I would love to hear how like, <laughs> how you find I and mean, you find buildings. So if anything, oh. <laughs> uh, that's, that's always been something I'm, I've been interested in. But yeah, if anything, my process, it involves a lot of mechanical pencils. And depending on the scale, it could be in a sketchbook or direct right onto the paper okay also yeah. how do you find reference photos because that's another thing I'm running into I'm like I have all these ideas in my head but I, I don't know that I have a reference photo for this <laughs> yeah and that's something where you know it becomes tricky because you can I mean you can look at an image online but then you think about copyright and you think about yeah. you know you, that's someone's property but if you do enough research and you look and you digest multiple things and kind of use all of those references to create your own thing, I think that becomes helpful, especially for somebody who's inside, can't go out, where am I getting these photos? 
not everyone has that luxury. So I find, I found by doing research and looking at multiple things, you're not concentrating on one, you're not taking someone's property, but you're sort of like picking like, yeah, yeah, just like, Oh, this is, this is what a zebra looks like. This is what a giraffe looks like. How do you get reference photos for your houses then? So for my houses, I actually started taking pictures of my own for that for a long time ago. Yeah. So ever since I was younger, I always had an attraction to triangular houses. And there is a town right by me in Baltimore. I think it's called like Roland Park. And they have these very whimsical houses. So a lot of those houses are actually um, pieces of pictures I've put together, like some that I found on my honeymoon in Belize, like from all over the place. So what I'll do is I'll take those pictures and then distort them. So yes. So what I'll do is almost like my, my mind is putting it through like a taffy puller. I'll (laughs) take, yeah, I'll take the roof. I'll extend it up. I'll exaggerate the window. I'll have the branch sort of like coming out of the window. So that's sort of where my mind always goes with, uh, you do this in your, in your mind and not in Photoshop, right? No, just, just here, just here. (laughs) Um, but you know, it's really experimental. It's so much trial and error. Yeah. Like I I I can't even tell you how many scraps of paper I have with houses that I despise. I hate Mm. them. I don't like them. I shouldn't be ashamed of them because they get me to a good, a good place eventually. So I embrace that and I love it. I just have a pile of rejected houses that I'm never going to use. And uh, it's just going to stay that way. But it's helping me because I sort of look at what I like and don't like. And I can choose, you know, what what distortions work and which ones don't work. But, yeah, anything. That's where it goes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So is there anything you don't like to paint without? Oh, don't like to. Yeah, music. (laughs) Music is it. I had a band for a while. You know, like it was like a cover a cover of the seventies. I like oldies. You have a band? A lot. <laughs> yeah, it was called Platinum Circus. It was like a seven covers of the seventies band. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds so much like so, so much fun though. <laughs> I'll sing sometimes while I make the art. Uh, my <laughs> husband doesn't like it. He doesn't like it at all. Um, he loves me, but it's you know I I can get a, a little loud sometimes maybe. Um, yeah, and that could be distracting. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think the music is something where if I'm in tune to it, I'm less inclined to look at my laptop, look at my phone and just like zone in to the artwork. So I need, I need the music. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Mine is podcasts. I have to, someone has to talk to me. I don't like to talk, but someone likes to talk to me. Like just to get my mind thinking. You've got to tell me some good ones because okay, yeah, having yeah. a time here <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I have a whole yeah. list. I love my podcast. There's this oh. one that I just got on for anybody listening to it's called the business of hype. And so if you, if oh. you like, if you like business podcasts where people tell their story, there's some artists on there, creatives, fashion designers. It's very interesting. Oh uh, so yeah. The business of hype. And it's, it's pretty Writing cool. Down. Awesome. Are there any art lessons you've learned the hard way? Absolutely. Oh boy. I mean, that's, I feel like that's the nature of the beast of just like being an artist. Like you've got to learn. I've, I've done experiments with materials where 
I dove right in with either paint or pen and there's no forgiveness once you put it down. So if anything, I, I remember spending all this money on, you know, this special kind of paper. And then when I got it, you couldn't see any of the detail of my pen because the paper was just so coarse. So yeah, you learn the hard way and it really is a ton of trial and error. And just knowing that each error is a stepping stone to that final answer you've been looking for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. I love that you shared that story too, because it brings me back to um, in January, I was like, I'm going to try colored pencil and I'm going to do colored pencil butterflies. I'm just yes. glowing. And <laughs> I, <laughs> and so I went and bought these, like the most expensive ones they had at Hobby Lobby. They were like these awesome, I don't want to even say the brand really, but like, right. And I got them and I'm like, I hate them. <laughs> like I hate them so much. I'm like, can I take them back? I don't know. And I ended up getting these like cheaper colored pencils that I yeah. love. And I'm like, Okay, so when people ask me for recommendations, I'm like, I don't know. Like, this is what I like. You do what you like. Everyone likes something different, right? Yeah. Like, it's it, it's just the you know, the way it is, and it it really depends on what you're comfortable with and what you what style you're trying to achieve. So I think there's like a lot of elements at play with that, you know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I almost like prefer the cheaper paints as well, like because oh. the, they have more water in them, and I use a lot of water when I paint. So I just kind of like, rather than the really heavy bodied stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, but then I have to add a bunch of water to it. I don't know. So it's like whatever supplies you have. Right. And there's, there should be like no judgment, right? Yeah. Like if you want a rose art colored pencil, you buy the rose art colored pencil. Just, you know, just keep, keep it to yourself if you don't want, you know, a lot of people. I'm kidding. But yeah, take pride in your materials and how you use them because, you know, that's that's how you're achieving that specific style and look and aesthetic and it works. So just keep keep moving with it. Yeah, for sure. I have one painting over here that's actually pretty good. And I'm like, I did that with craft paint. And they're like, what? So like, yeah, you can do anything <laughs> with anything. Lies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite past project? Do you have a favorite painting? So I have a favorite artwork. I didn't, I didn't actually add. I did all of it in pen and ink. I start everything with pen and ink and then I'll add the paint and the watercolor after. But this one I left without color. And it was the piece that I mentioned earlier, Lost. It's the girl in the woods. And some for some reason, I've gotten a lot of people like just asking me so many questions about it. And the fact that it makes people that curious is why I think I'm even more attracted to it. Because at the time of making it, I it was such a deep feeling for me with my mom and everything going on and I think knowing when I look at that I was going through that whole time and that's what came out of it and you know through a horrible situation came out this beautiful surreal picture yeah I by far it's like one of the my most favorite things I've ever I've ever done it's called uh, I, it's called lost. <laughs> I love that, and I love yeah. that it comes from like an emotional place too. Oh yes, That's... very emotional. <laughs> uh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, and so when you do, as so you mentioned, you do pen and ink, and then you do watercolor on top mm -hmm. or acrylics. What did you say? I watercolor? do a watercolor on top. Watercolor, and yeah. so 
I have tried doing this before and so and but however I I mean just like a long time ago and just for an experiment however I didn't use the high quality pens and inks so they went everywhere so what's is there like a certain kind of there's a certain kind of brand right that you have to or certain kind of property in the ink that you have yeah I think and it's all about ratios for me making sure that I have the right amount I, I let the ink dry and then I'm putting the right amount of water and the right amount of ink in certain areas. And sometimes when I skim over it with the watercolor, it makes the, the pen detail a little more dull. So I'm always waiting for things to dry so I can, like, add another part to it. So it's almost like these pieces work in stages where you have the pen, you let it sit, and then you put the watercolor on top of it, you let it sit, and then you kind of go back on top, cherry on the Sunday, put all the embellishments that kind of got a little washed away from the watercolor. There you go. Oh, <laughs> your patience is a virtue. I would hate that. But yeah, there's a lot of unfinished stuff here. I mean, yeah, if anything, uh, it, it's good for me because I get bored easily. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm working on this, working on this. Good. Put that away. I'll see you later, you know, and I'll come back to it at another point. Yeah, get something new and exciting out. And then once you get yes. over with that, go to something else. Right. Yes. <laughs> awesome. So how do you get most of your clients? How do you sell your work? I think that's like the top question that everybody wants to know. How do, how do I sell my work? How do you sell your work? Oh, yeah. It's, it really is different for everybody. And I think, um, I think for me in particular, because it's it's easy to see a, a lot of people on social media with like you know people to get caught up in you know followings and like all this other stuff but really the thing that's worth the most is building loyal smaller communities like people that are coming back people that you're consistently engaging with so really what ended up happening was i started going to these markets and i consistently went to these art markets in baltimore and like the same people would be coming back and it was like became word of mouth. And then this friend told this friend and I did use social media and I did make a website, but I, I don't think I put as much energy into it, but I found that by not, you know, by balancing it, making sure, you know, like I post every so often, but then also interacting with the people and building a small community. I had like a little, you know, like Facebook group or whatever I had going on, that's where the loyalty came in. And loyalty is more valuable than hundreds of thousands of followers. <laughs> so if anything, like the people that are going to come back to you are the ones you're going to interact with, point blank, for me at least, that, that's what it is. And those small groups that you build online like, are so, so valuable because it's personal. And you're not just another number, another face, another picture on a, you know social media you're someone that someone can identify with someone has someone has a memory with you you know <laughs> yeah for sure yeah I, mean, I think with like today today's online virtual world so much people are kind of forget about that so I love that you said that yes and people might be like well you know what am I going to do there's no markets right now how am I going to interact with people well you can make small groups online you can make it exclusive. You can make a private group just to see, you know, like trial and error, what bites, like what are, what are groups that people are attracted to? What are, what's content that people want to see? And you kind of just experiment and you tailor the group to your aesthetic 
whatever, you know, it's colored pencil girls or, you know, paint with, you know, funny hats, whatever it is, whatever people think is, is attractive. And then that builds over time and you, you have to make sure that you stay consistent with it. Like, you know, you made that groove, don't abandon it, you know, like, don't leave it out in the middle of the ocean without a life raft. Make sure that you're paying attention to it and you nurture it like a little plant, right? Like you feed it, feed it water, sprinkle in, you know, new artwork or new idea. Ask other people how they're doing and what they're doing and take an active interest in that group you're creating because that's what's going to, you know, foster this loyal community that you're looking for. You know? Yeah. I feel like you're giving me direct advice because I have two groups on the, on Facebook. One is called the Artist Academy and one's the Artist Academy Advanced where okay. uh, my, my um, students are in. And I'm always in the advanced group, like commenting, like, oh, wow, like we're doing this yes. and teaching them. But at the original Artist Academy, I sometimes just forget about. And so hmm. I'm like, I, my husband too is like, hey, you haven't posted anything in there a while. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I just forget. I'm like so into my students all the time in that yeah. group. And I forget about the free group with a thousand members in it already. And I'm like, teaching is addicting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Like if, if I had a perfect world, I would find a way to merge it all together. But I think right now, because I'm sort of doing some trial and error and seeing, you know, Oh, like I'm doing this new group called lost in creation. And you know, Ooh, tell us inter- interviewing different artists. Oh, I, yeah, I, that. Yes, yes, yes. And I have a few friends of mine that are involved in this. I have a friend who's a dancer in LA. She's a choreographer. And then I have a friend who's a musician in DC. So I have all these different artists. And now we're getting into organizing the group and making certain days of the week, like, oh, you know, Thursday theater or, you know, things like that. So it, it's like you create this consistency with it and uh, just to see where it goes. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. We interview um, artists. I have a forum that's, like, right on the page. People can fill it out. And if they feel like, hey, you know, I have a voice and I want to be heard and I don't have, like, a billion followers, I want I want to just find a community that, that fits with me, this is perfect for you. I mean, if anything, it's, like, you, just storytelling. It's good storytelling and it always – comes back to how are you serving the community because a lot of people in this group come from education backgrounds or have helped the community in some way and they've taught you know or you know done some sort of interactive activity that has engaged other people and has made them learn the art of dance or the art of music and painting and all that other great stuff yeah all that great stuff yeah Yeah. (laughs) you have you have me inspired to maybe interview a dancer now like what if I got that perspective on the artist go for it (laughs) I made a huge artwork on a sheet I use it at every market and my friend who's a ballerina she dipped her like feet in ink and she like danced on this cloth I use it at every market yes so good collabs on the horizon <laughs> yes okay awesome. I'll have to yeah maybe get her yeah. info info from you oh yeah for real that. check her out online okay awesome so what are your future art plans and goals what's going on right now what's what's besides your group what's in the works so i think right now what i'm trying to do is i as far as me being an artist, I'm trying to explore some of the things that got me interested in art in the first place, surrealism, fantasy, creating these worlds where you can escape. So I'm creating this door series where there's different portals and it's taking you to 
you know, either a story from your childhood. I did one with like three blind mice. Um, I might do a version of Jack and the Beanstalk where it's like Jackie and the Beanstalk where it's like oh. female, female center. But, uh, I want to, I want to do that. And at the same time, I almost, I also want to inspire other art educators to keep doing what they're doing because I think a lot of people right now, especially in the art world, art education world, are feeling like tapped out a little bit and, you know, are so focused with the transition of our world right now. They don't spend enough time for themselves. So I think I want to try to communicate through my groups and um, my business and the art organization I work for that carving out that time is valuable and you need to make time for it. Otherwise, you know, your cup isn't going to be filled. You're going to be dry. You're going to be running on empty and you're not going to be able to give your full self to whatever, you know, you're doing to make money or whatever your, whatever your career is. You got to carve out the time for the creative outlet, you know? <laughs> yeah. I and, love all of that. Yeah. So awesome. Okay. Um, so last question, and then I will let you go on here. Is there any advice that you give to artists who want to make art their full-time career, but don't even know where to start? Uh, I'm going to kind of, I think, resort back to something I said earlier about okay. the small community. Okay. So, if you're like, oh, I want to dip my toe in the water. I don't want to jump in. You know, I'm not going to do a cannonball into this art career. I want to see what works and, you know, do some trial and error. Create that group. Create an online group and see just, you know, that's throwing a dart at the board, seeing if anyone's interested and making it specific and consistent. And if you see that there is an attraction to it, you can, you can build on that and you can be inspired by that. And then you have a system of support. And then once you gain enough support, you'll be confident enough to take creative risks. So I always look at creativity like a ladder. And at the, the, the bottom of the ladder, you have your, your support system, your rock. It could be your community, your significant other, friends, family, whatever that is. You need the support. And then after the support, you become a little bit more confident in yourself. And you have these people that believe in you. And then after you build that confidence, this is where we, we get to the top of the ladder and you, you become, you know, more willing to take creative risks because you're confident enough. And then once you get to this creative risk place, that is like, that's like the hot zone for making art. So I always think about the ladder system in my mind and I think about, you know, if I'm not feeding my, uh, my relationship with my husband or I'm not, you know, spending energy into that, I'm... I'm losing my support system and that's like, that's the bottom of the ladder and that's where everything falls. So mm -hmm. I'm just making sure that I, you know, create enough energy and space for that part of my life so that the confidence is there and then I'm finally able to create. <laughs> so that's, yeah, that's like my, my mental system. I love that. Now, yeah. now that that's in my brain, it's never leaving. <laughs> oh, well, that's such I'm a happy. Good, yeah, it's such a good visual too. It's so, it's so... <laughs> It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like the food pyramid in a way, but it's like different and creative. The food pyramid is my favorite thing. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I love anything food related. It, or you could say it's like maybe a sandwich or ooh, a sundae, <laughs> right? A sundae. You got to have the ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. We don't, oh, no, it needs a vessel, right? The sundae needs a vessel, oh, the bowl. Yeah. The oh. bowl is your support. The ice cream is like, now I'm confident that this, this can be filled with something. 
And then the embellishment is the, um, like the cherries and the, you know, the, the chocolate sauce and the, the creativity, right? Mm. So that's, that's it right there. It's the, <laughs> it's the Sunday. I love that. And, you know, I feel like just kind of recently too with my like cloud series and stuff, I'm just getting to the point where I'm like really confident to put what I really want out there. And I'm just Good. now getting there, you know? Yes. And it yeah. was the first couple years of my uh, art career, it was building the confidence to be able to do it, you know? <laughs> and now I have a support system and like all the things. And I'm like, that still makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, I think, I think it works for a lot of people. So I, you know, that's why I put it on the plate. I, I, I offer it on my buffet on of menu. advice. It's on the menu. <laughs> oh, I'm like a, I'm, I'm an addict for puns. So you're a yes. poet. <laughs> I, I try. I, if it's, if it involves food or bears, I try, I try. <laughs> I love it. Well, it is. It's been so nice getting to know you. You're yes. definitely a public speaker, and you've done amazing <laughs> on this. I loved every part of it. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on here, and thank you for you know doing what you do, making a uh, creating a voice and a platform for other people and other artists. So it's beautiful. So Good. keep keep doing it. <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> so it's a great way to start a Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, on a Tuesday. <laughs> Yep. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will be in contact about everything else, and I will keep following you on Instagram and keeping up with all of your awesome art. Oh, and same to you. Yeah. Thank you. All right. I will talk to you later. All right. Have a great day. See ya. Bye. This episode is sponsored by the Artist Academy Advanced Membership a program for artists who want to up-level their art game by taking it from a hobby or a side hustle to a full-time six-figure art business. With weekly trainings that include step-by-step -step proven art business techniques, plus painting tutorials from yours truly, <laughs> and other guest artists who are masters in their field, you will be well-equipped to learn and grow into the highly skilled and highly profitable artist you know you're meant to be. I've figured out what it takes to build my own six-figure art business, and now my heart is set on teaching aspiring artists like you to do the same. It's not hard, but it does require your time and dedication. So if you're up for the challenge, go to advancedmember.com. That's advancedmember.com to learn more. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. If you review our podcast and send a screenshot of that review to me on Instagram, I am at art by Andrea Earhart. I will then promote your art on my story and tag you as a little thank you for helping me grow this podcast and our Artist Academy community. I have a reach of over 50,000 on Instagram. So this is a little help me to help you incentive. Also, if you ever want your questions answered in real time by myself or featured guests, then just hop on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Artist Academy to check out the schedule every Tuesday to catch us on live. I'll see you next week.